afternoon. Happy Friday. Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. We got a shortened show for you today. Blue Jays get going against the Pittsburgh Pirates at 635. So we're only with you till 630 instead of 7. Jays didn't play last night. Day to rest the bullpen. A day for Alec Manoa to go check out WVU against Pitt. We'll see when he takes the hill tonight if he's still in the mode of eat, you know, Pitt as they uh, as the WVU chant uh, fans chant uh, for those games. It'll be Manoa against Johan Oviedo tonight. Big question mark with the Jays rotation uh, tomorrow. Before we get into that, little standings watch. Even though the Jays didn't play yesterday, there's a bit of movement there. Uh, still eight back of the Yankees, still in the third wild card spot. Two back of Seattle and Tampa Bay for those higher wild card spots. One and a half game cushion on Baltimore, three on Minnesota. You look around baseball this weekend, all these teams are playing each other. The Yankees have Tampa Bay. The Mariners have Cleveland, who are at the top of the AL Central and would be in the wild card mix if they were to fall out of that. Uh, Minnesota has the Chicago White Sox, could effectively knock one of those teams out of our little chart that we look at every day. Even Boston and Texas are playing each other. They're the two teams that are kind of on the fringe that haven't been officially eliminated yet and, you know, with a good week could get back into it, but realistically aren't. Uh, Worth keeping an eye on that one because the Jays have Texas next weekend. Also, of course, worth, worth keeping an eye on Baltimore against Oakland. That's the easier end of things as far as uh, these teams go right now. In fact, Oakland is the second worst team in baseball, better than only Washington. Uh, The Jays have the third worst team in baseball and the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend, Uh, but worth keeping an eye on Baltimore. They've called up Gunnar Henderson. They've called up DL Hall. And of course, the Jays have four against the Orioles next week, starting with a Labor Day doubleheader. Early programming note here. That is a traditional doubleheader starting at 1 o'clock. Jays Talk Plus will be with you 12 to 1 to tee up that doubleheader. We'll be with you after the second game for Jays Talk regular, Jays Talk classic. And we'll also be with you in between those games. There's a half an hour between the end of one game and the start of the other. Uh, So Jays Talk Plus will return to its normal 3 to 5 slot next week uh, but on that holiday monday we're with you all day uh, whenever ben wagner needs a breather from 12 until i don't know probably about nine o'clock at night will i be tired at the end of that absolutely uh Nas and wu-tang at bud stage on sunday night and my chemical romance at scotiabank arena if i make it in time after those uh after that doubleheader on monday maybe a little florence of the machine tomorrow too we'll see We'll see. Uh, the Jays overlap with that one on Saturday, though. A uh, couple of notes, as we talked about yesterday, Bradley Zimmer and Casey Lawrence have been added to the roster as the rosters expand to 28 here for September. We'll go into those decisions in a little bit. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is out tonight with a sore wrist. Doesn't sound too serious, but it gives him a double off day, double day off with yesterday having been an off day as well. Something to monitor in the lineups uh, throughout the weekend. We'll go through those lineups and the pitching matchup, as we always do, a little later in the show. Uh, Nate Pearson threw a live bullpen session on Wednesday. He's set for a rehab start in Dunedin on Sunday. Rehab appearance, rather. Um, Ricky Tiedemann, as Keith Law suspected yesterday on Jay's Talk Plus with us, Ricky Tiedemann 
shut down for the year now. He'll, uh, I'd assume, get going on an offseason program uh, right away, but he's done in terms of innings and game action. And, hey, while we're talking about stuff from the show yesterday, Brent LaValle, the manager of the High A Vancouver Canadians who was on our show and joined us, uh, got named as the best managerial prospect in that league by Baseball America today. So uh, good for Brent. It's always fun when something like that happens. Uh, we'll say we gave him the gave him the rub there. We're going to have Shai Davidi on from Pittsburgh in a little bit if his car made it with enough gas. First, though, we got the prop queen from MLB Network, Yahoo, and NBA TV, Ariel Epstein. Ariel, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. Great meeting you. You too. Uh, I know that this is September, so your mind might be football, football, football in the coming weeks. How excited are you for that to get going? I'm super excited for football. It definitely snuck up on me. I've been doing um, a lot of baseball stuff, and I'm so in the trenches of baseball right now that football just all of a sudden, it's here. I'm pumped, though, because there's nothing like enjoying a football Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It snuck up on me as well to the extent that I had to draft uh, my fantasy team from seats at the Blue Jays game the other day. I, I double booked. I had tickets for the game after my show and had a fantasy draft. So we, we do what we have to do to be this deep into baseball and also uh, enjoy some football. Ariel, looking ahead to tonight and, and this weekend, the Toronto Blue Jays have a, a bit of an easy spot against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know that the Pirates are uh, a team you've picked on a little bit this season uh, and with good reason. What do you, what kind of at, at first look, what are you feeling about this series this weekend? It's a, it's a series where the Blue Jays obviously really, really need it considering <laughs> they only have a one and a half game lead on the Baltimore Orioles for the wild card. It's been amazing what the Jays have done, though. They begin a 10-game road trip through Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Texas, yet Toronto won 12 of their last 18 road games. Not only have they won those games, they have outscored the opponent 112-63. to It's a great spot for tonight's starter, Alec Manoa. He went to school just 75 miles away from PNC Park, where he went to West Virginia, He's got to know that, and he's got to be hyped up. He was at the game, despite West Virginia losing. Come on, Manoa. We've got to have some kind of fire lit under you. Oh, absolutely. And we'll go into the Manoa props in just a minute here. Um, at a high level, oh, the other thing I want to mention, you mentioned the Jays have uh, done this much damage on the road of late. You retweeted something yesterday. The Pittsburgh Pirates have lost 15 in a row when they're underdogs on Fridays, which I would Im- imagine means they've won- they've lost 15 in a row on Friday in general because the Pittsburgh Pirates are never favorites uh, at this point. What do, you- what do we even make of a streak like that? Like, obviously, there's nothing special about Fridays, I guess, but this Pirates team is a disaster heading into the weekend. The way you could look at it is that they're just not good at starting series. That doesn't say, that trend was just about Fridays. It didn't say about the first game of a series, which I would also be interested to ask Wager Talks Ralph Michaels, who tweeted that out. I'd be interested to see what the Pirates' numbers were in the first game of a series. Friday's typically always the first game of a series, unless you start a four-game set on Thursday. That just tells me that the Pirates don't start off series well against pitchers. Nonetheless, if you're going to get a lot of the time a Friday starter who's top of the rotation, you're, that also makes sense as to why the Pirates have been struggling. 
Yeah, and, and it's not like they have a top of the rotation starter to fire back at some of these teams. No disrespect to JT Brubaker, uh, who... You know, one of the unluckiest guys in baseball this year, um, but not exactly an Alec Manoa uh, type. When you look at the Jays big picture and and the Pirates are guilty of this, too. But um, you mentioned how much pressures on the Jays or how much urgency, rather, it feels like the Jays have right now because they're only a game and a half up for that last wild card spot. They came into the year with pretty big expectations, and the markets have reflected that. The Jays have been one of the least profitable teams if you were playing the money line all season long. Um, do you do you think that's a good snapshot of them underperforming? Why do you think the market has been you know higher on the Jays with some consistency uh, than their record suggests, and certainly uh, higher on them than Jays fans have been of late? The hardest part about a team like the Blue Jays is handicapping young talent. You're handicapping players like Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's been on a tear recently, of course, hitting over 300 in his last few weeks. Then you've got a lot of young stars in this lineup. I really like for some of these young stars to perform better this year for Toronto. I just haven't, like, Biggio, I haven't seen any of these young talent, aside from Vlad Guerrero, who's hot and cold, they haven't really emerged. Now, granted, offensively, they still are top 10 in the league. The problem is that they ran into a stone wall like the Yankees for the first four or five months of the season that seemed un- a team that couldn't be beaten. <laughs> the, the Blue Jays post-All-Star break, what's going in their favor is that they still have a top 15 team ERA. They also, against the American League, have a top five or uh, excuse me a top or uh no the hitting is top 10 against the american league pitching is what's been struggling a bit the blue jays just need to have a more consistent reliever they need to be more consistent out of the pen their starters at the top they're good and and maybe you could say that someone like a gosman has been a disappointment hasn't been as consistent as you could have imagined but um i just for this toronto team i'm not so set on them in the futures market a team like tampa bay to me is a team that at least has more playoff experience they have the pitching depth um that they could throw pretty much anyone out there at any given moment it's all it's it's pitcher by committee whereas you've got the blue jays who have some really who have the top two of their rotation top three are legitimate starters but the problem is they're not going so deep even, um, I mean, aside from Manoa, he had seven innings pitches left. And that was against the Angels. Only pitched six against the Yankees, five and two-thirds against Baltimore, and five innings in the start before that against Baltimore. You're not getting these pitchers going too deep, which is pretty much all of baseball. But <laughs> the the relievers, the bullpen, it's just nothing stands out to me in that Toronto pitching right now that makes me have faith in them going forward throughout the playoffs. I want to circle back in a minute on the thing you said about the futures market, but I I do want to dig in a little bit on Manoa since he's the starter tonight. I I took a look at the Pirates lineup. They have stacked the lineup with seven lefties or switch hitters. So seven guys who will hit from the left side tonight. Uh, Manoa has been very good this year, but he does have slight platoon splits. And I know that, you know, one of the, the things you've identified in your prop bets of late is that the Pirates are super, super strikeout prone against left-handed pitching, uh, a little less so against right-handed pitching. But when you look at this Pirates team, do you worry about that at all? Or is the quality of 
these left-handers and switch hitters just too low to really worry about, you know, who's in the lineup day-to-day against a guy the stature of Manoa? I am guilty that I don't look so much towards the lineups each day. I really just utilize the numbers. If you try to dive too deep into the lineup, you're going to really – I, based on my experience with people who do that, sometimes it ends up hurting you more than it helps you. For example, recent example, last Monday, I bet – or is this past Monday? It's been a long week. <laughs> the Marlins starter, Pablo Lopez, over uh, had under five-and-a-half strikeouts on Lopez. He was up against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a bottom 15 carry against right-handed pitchers, and Lopez is a righty. If I were to go through the lineup and say this pitcher, this hitter strikes out a lot, this hitter doesn't strike out a lot, I would have probably lost. I lost that bet, and here's why I say it's funny. I lost that under because it, he had three strikeouts, Lopez, going into the sixth inning. He then struck out the side in the sixth, but one of the batters that he faced was Joey Gallo. He walked him. If you would have told me to look through that entire Dodgers lineup and asked who would have struck out, I would have said my loser would have been on Joey Gallo striking out. And guess what? He walked. So that's why I don't always go through the lineups and say, oh, this this hitter's going to strike out a lot. They're not. I go off averages. And the averages for the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight, they're averaging just over five strikeouts a game against right-handed starters. Manoa, he scares me a bit because his strikeout prop went from six and a half last night to five and a half today. Why is it dropping? It's a little sketchy. However, if you could get a five and a half to the over for a six strikeout game for Manoa, I don't mind that. It's just a matter of what odds you're getting because you don't want to lay too much juice. Yeah, I think I saw it at minus 135 or minus 140 or something like that on the over five and a half strikeouts. So that's a little, that's not a, a great value, but it is nice at least that it came down from six and a half to five and a half. Uh, Manoa's, his strikeout process has been interesting this year. You kind of set it up there and, you know, one of the trends has been at least earlier in the year when he was going really deep into games, he was just super efficient. And I think, you know, like, leaning on that changeup and that slider a little bit more to get bad contact instead of just strikeouts. Um, so, you know, almost trading strikeouts for for the ability to go a little later in the game. Um, I, I like what you said there, Ariel, about kind of like information overload, right? Like, like if you're going to look at the lineup in detail, every specific thing, every single game, it's hard to parse all that out. And the benefit of averages, the benefit of, you know, if we look at last 30 days or or things like that, um, we can kind of make it more efficient. Um, On the other side of things tonight, no, I don't see any props on the the player prop side for Pittsburgh because Johan Oviedo is going to start this one and we don't have, you know, he's just coming back up from the minors. He just got traded. We don't have a ton of track record of him starting. Um, But a guy fresh up from the minors who was in the bullpen earlier this year and a bottom five bullpen behind him. Do you like the offensive environment the Jays will be hitting in tonight? I really like it. That's why I would go bet the team total over on the Blue Jays tonight, especially with what I mentioned that not only are the Blue Jays outscoring teams 112 to 63 on the road this year, the Pirates have lost 15 of their last 19 games. Opponents are outscoring the Pirates 112 to 61. It looks really good for the Blue Jays for them to be going over a team total. Oviedo, he just got promoted from AAA, making his team debut tonight for Pittsburgh. He had one start this year, and he lost at the Cubs June 3rd, allowing three runs, five innings pitched. Oviedo in his career, 19 career starts, 536 ERA, 
He has not won a start in his major league career. He is 0-9. I would not lay minus 250 on Toronto. It means you have to bet 250 to win 100. That's just not worth it for me. I'm not that kind of better. Team total over on Toronto would be my play. Yeah, that's a, an interesting one. You could also look at, you know, the run line minus one and a half if you really think it's going to be a blowout. Um, you know, Jay's coming off an off day as well, so the bullpen pretty well rested. Uh, Ariel, I, I will, to circle back to that, what you mentioned about futures, um, we look at the wild card race, and it's very tight. Tampa and Seattle tied for the top wild card spot. The Jays are two games back of that, and then Baltimore only a game and a half back. And I look at the to-make-the-playoff props right now and Toronto's minus 800 and Baltimore is plus 280 do you see some value there like do you think this race is going to be closer than those future lines suggest a lot of people have asked me about Baltimore because my dad is from Maryland and I am a Ravens fan but I'm also a Yankees fan my family's like split my mom's from New York my dad's from Maryland so I, I just became a fan of those two different teams because I was approaching the age of loving sports when it was around the 2000s and obviously that was just perfect for both those teams a lot of Orioles fans are really high on these Orioles I really like the talent they have they have a young great talented team but the problem with the Orioles they're going to be on the road and they're going to struggle because their road, their home road splits are just astronomically different. Baltimore is 37 and 24 at home this year and 32 and 37 on the road. Their pitching is top 10 at home, bottom 10 on the road. I don't trust Baltimore to be able to finish out the season strong with all those road games. Um, I'm going to just take a look at their schedule right now. Uh, they've got a huge four game series coming up with Toronto in two series and they're going to have to go to Boston. They're going to have to go to New York. And they finish the year with Toronto. Um, and they've got three series with the Blue Jays. Those are going to be huge. That's four, seven, eight, nine. That's ten games that the Orioles and the Blue Jays are going to face each other. Those are huge series for the wild card. That's the swing. The thing is that, again, Toronto, they have two of those three series with the four-game series being uh, – or, excuse me, Baltimore has two of those three series at home, which could be in their benefit. However – we just talked about it. Toronto's really good on the road so far this year in the second half. I just I don't see the Orioles having enough experience to be able to make that final jump at the end. They remind me of the Blue Jays from a couple of years ago, the rookie year of Vladdy Guerrero Jr., where there was so much hype between him and Biggio and all the young players coming up. They just didn't have the experience to make that final push, and that's the Orioles for me. They're just not going to have the experience to make the final push. I wouldn't be able to put money on them to make the playoffs. And it's too much money to put down on the Jays, too. I wouldn't do that either. Jays fans are are surely happy to hear your skepticism about the Orioles uh, pulling this off. Um, You mentioned you're a Ravens fan. How their mascot being out for the year, how does that change your projection of their win-loss? So that's a huge hit to the sidelines, to your home field advantage, to the morale in the locker room, I'd imagine. That's a that's a huge hit. Huge hit. I mean, the Ravens fan base, they absolutely love Poe. It's terrible to see him on the IL. I just have a feeling that because of how good the coaching staff is, they're going to be able to hype up Poe enough that he'll be able to get out there on the field and, even on the IL, he'll be able to pump up the crowd. Not concerned. There's so many injuries that happened last year to the Ravens. If Poe is the only one, 
it could be a good season. Uh, I don't know if teams do practice squad uh, mascots, but a couple of years ago here in Toronto, the the person who, the, the Raptor, the mascot, got injured. He tore his Achilles, and they actually called up the G League mascot for the season, and, and Stripes is his name, was the, the Raptors mascot for the year while the Raptor uh, healed up. So maybe there's something like, maybe there's a practice squad uh Practice squad mascot, we don't know about. Uh, Ariel, before I let you go, uh, anything else you like this weekend? Doesn't have to be Toronto specific. Uh, what are you most looking forward to on the sports slate this weekend? This weekend, I just love looking at my strikeout props, and I'll give you one for tonight. Tonight, one of the strikeout props I like is Yankees right hander Domingo Herman over four and a half Ks. The Rays have the ninth highest period against right handed pitchers. Righty starters are averaging just over five strikeouts a game when up against the Rays lineup. Herman, we haven't seen him much this year, only eight starts. However, three of them were against teams with top 15 carries against righties. He's gone over them in two of the three, one of those being Tampa. He had six strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings, going over four and a half strikeouts for Domingo Herman tonight. Love it. Love it. And, uh, you know, if that if they end up winning that one and it helps the Jays a little bit because Tampa Bay takes a loss, no argument here uh, as well. Uh, Ariel Epstein, thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Isn't that funny, though, yeah. that you guys are going to be rooting now for the Yankees to win because it helps you in the wild card race? I it, always love that. It does. And if you'd played a little better, then you'd be hoping the Yankees lose because the division would still be in reach for you. But eight games back at this point is uh, probably a little tough. Um, Ariel Epstein, MLB Network, Yahoo, NBA TV, the prop queen, and a must-follow on baseball Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out. Hope you have a blast this weekend. Thanks so much for having me. Good luck. Ariel Epstein. MLB Network, Yahoo, NBA TV. Uh, give her a follow on Twitter. Always a lot of good uh, baseball betting information. And, and, you know, we don't do a, a ton of betting on Jays Talk Plus. Uh, usually just a, a line or two as we we tee things up. But um, I find it helpful to take a look at, at some betting content sometimes, not only for the entertainment aspect. You know, I, I'm of the mind that you're, you're gambling – if you if you are partaking, it should be part of your entertainment budget. You should do it responsibly and within your means and within your entertainment budget. Um, but the markets can sometimes give us a nice zoomed out look and a less going through it every day uh, opinion about the teams that you're you're talking about. So um, you know the Blue Jays are a really interesting one where if you were betting them all year. You have lost a lot of money on the money line. They have not delivered relative to how big a favorite they've been. Uh, but what that tells you is that there's still market confidence. There's still people putting their money behind the Blue Jays. And there's still, you know, metrics and projection systems and things like that that are reasonably high on them from here. So do with that what you will. I, I don't know that you you put your money behind it. I don't know that it helps your confidence at all. But it does let you know if you're feeling optimistic about the Blue Jays from here, that there is a large market of unbiased um, bettors or projectors who are still pretty reasonably optimistic about the Blue Jays. Uh, Minus 800 for them to get a playoff spot, though, feels wrong to me. Like, that is, for anyone who's not familiar with, with betting, a minus 800 line is extreme 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 that that says the jays have a 90 percent probability almost of making the postseason and with only a one and a half game lead right now i don't know that anyone can feel 90 percent confident even with the fan graphs odds coming in right around there 
But again, the fan graphs odds, that's another thing we turn to. And we've done it a couple times on this show over the course of the year to just kind of zoom out and say, look, these things are not biased in. I mean, there might be some some biases in the models or the, the projections, but they're not because they're Jays fans or they benefit from the Jays winning or anything like that. Their their goal is to be correct. And those things are still reasonably optimistic about the Jays. If they were to lose a couple here against the Pirates while the Orioles take advantage of Oakland, I don't know that that would be the case anymore. Uh, that would be interesting to track. Uh, again, Baltimore is playing Oakland this weekend. Toronto's got Pittsburgh. So these are two teams only a game and a half apart with a f- huge four-game series coming up who are both playing bottom three teams in baseball. Both of those teams got to be feeling a lot of urgency. I have a screen on in uh, in the studio right now, by the way, and just saw Alec Bonneau on the sideline of the, the WVU pick game from yesterday. So surely he'll be fired up tonight. Let's take a break. Let's uh, go down to Pittsburgh and talk to Shai Davidi on the other side. That's next on Stock Plus on Sports at 590, The Fan. Blake Murphy, we're with you for another hour before the Jays get going here, and we'll kick it over to uh, Ben Wagner. First pitch is 635 down at beautiful PNC Park, one of my favorite parks that I've been to. The Pirates should be good visiting. Uh, They have been getting very poor attendance of late. It's not a very far drive. It's not a very hard drive. It's a very nice park, a very family-friendly game presentation and post-game stuff. Jay's fans could be taken over. Maurice and Kaladin is worried that tonight is the night that these pirates become the pirates of 1960. I'm skeptical, but let's talk about Roberto Clemente anyway. Uh, Joining us now from Sportsnet, from sportsnet.ca, from down in Pittsburgh is Shai Davidi. Shai, uh, I didn't get a chance to read the tweet, but there's something that Vlad's using a Roberto Clemente bat? Well, he was presented with a uh, Roberto Clemente model bat by the Roberto Clemente Museum. He took a round of batting practice with it, and even taking one round with that bat is an achievement because it's 36 inches and 38 ounces, uh, which is significantly heavier than uh, what he usually is. I think he's at about 33 usually. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty exhausting round of BP. <laughs> final, his final swing with it flew off the uh, batter's eye in center field, uh, which tells you a little bit about kind of how strong he is. Uh, but uh, it was pretty cool. A lot of the, uh, the Jays players who were in his hitting group were all kind of picking it up, taking a few swings with it and laughing about it. But uh, I believe Vlad was the only one to actually go through a round with it. There you go. I, I, mostly I was just glad when you tweeted out from the park that you made it there okay and Gregor didn't run out of gas on you guys again. <laughs> no, no, that was uh, – I, I like to uh, – I, I didn't do this drive with Gregor, but uh, every time I do a, a drive, I think about that trip uh, when uh, they, he just forgot to check the, the gas tank. And so uh, I like to remind him about it periodically. Uh, and uh, I think he enjoyed uh, that little trip down memory lane. <laughs> um, so you are down in Pittsburgh. Are you expecting a, a pretty, I know it's a little early for this 
inside PNC right now, maybe. But uh, are you expecting to see a lot of Jays fans down there? They haven't played at Pittsburgh in a few years now. This is only the third time ever. Uh, but I'd imagine this is going to feel a little like those Seattle and Minnesota games. I mean, I already see, like, a lot of Jays fans. I don't know if it, we're in the – we might be in the hundreds at this point here. And <laughs> uh, I encountered many at the hotel. I encountered many on the walk over here. There are a lot of Blue Jays fans down here. And I don't know whether the volume is going to get there, but – just anecdotally, I knew of a lot of people who circled this as a, a series to come down. It's a, it's a beautiful ballpark, and I think for a lot of baseball fans, this is uh, one of the places that you're, you just want to find an opportunity to go visit uh, just because it is such a spectacular place to watch a baseball game. So a pretty good combination of factors, and I don't know if it's going to be Seattle level, but I would think a good chunk of uh, – Toronto baseball fans are, are going to be here tonight. And a good chunk of Alec Manoa fans, I would imagine. Manoa on the hill tonight. Obviously, he went to WVU, which is not too far away. He was at the WVU pick game. Uh, Manoa is always fired up, but we see sometimes when it's Yankee Stadium or it's against Shohei Otani, things like that, he's a little extra fired up. Do you expect to see that version of Manoa in what is basically his, you know, his home field, for lack of a better term? Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't had a chance to talk to him about that, about that and see whether this is something that would really stoke his fires in, in, in that kind of way. But uh, definitely there's going to be some juice to, to him for this game uh, in that way. And, you know, does he carry extra? I think right now his focus is on just where the Blue Jays are and he understands the importance of this game. And in a lot of ways, there's some importance to how the Blue Jays end up playing tomorrow depending on how he pitches because their plans for the rotation tomorrow uh, will be determined by how things play out tonight. So, yeah, I think for all those reasons, uh, there will be a lot of emphasis for him on this game. Uh, But if the circumstances were maybe different and it wasn't, you know, a, you know, cellar dwelling team that on hard times that he was facing, maybe it would have taken on that extra dynamic that exists at, say, Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. Uh, But, you know, he's always pretty fired up. I'd expect (laughs) a a lot of high energy from him. Uh, So you mentioned that we don't know who's going to start tomorrow. We know it's Manoa tonight, Stripling on Sunday, and then uh, we're anticipating Gosman and Brios in the two legs of the the doubleheader against Baltimore on Monday. Um, You know, Mitch White just pitched. So that would leave a question mark for tomorrow that... Like you said, it's going to depend a little bit on how tonight's game goes. But when you look at Casey Lawrence being the extra arm they brought up uh, when rosters expanded and Yusei Kikuchi having not been used very much of late, uh, do you figure it's probably, assuming tonight goes okay, a Kikuchi-Lawrence piggyback situation in some order? It's going to be some sort of bullpen game. And depending on what the usage is like tonight, maybe it's a bit of a different combination. Uh, you, they're going to need a little bit of bulk out of somebody, but again, the rosters are, are just expanded and they, they have an opportunity to be creative, especially if Manoa he, they gives them seven or eight tonight and you're coming off an off day. So that's, that's a possibility if they have to go deep into the bullpen tonight. But I wonder if they have some other ideas or some other ways that to, to in mind to attack it 
if Manoa is able to give them a, a good chunk of innings. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And then you also, you know, there's always the chance that you can send a guy down and call someone up on short notice, change plans. Uh, Worcester, Mass, where uh, Buffalo is this weekend, is not particularly close to Pittsburgh in terms of driving distances, uh, but you can figure it out. And then, of course, you also get uh, the 27th man on Monday for the doubleheader for a little extra, uh, little extra length there or, or an extra option. Um, it's maybe a little bit early for this, but do you do you have a sense uh, of what they might do? You know, say Casey Lawrence is used tomorrow and they look at someone else for Monday. Um, you know, we saw Zach Pop be pretty effective in this bullpen. We've heard Julian Merriweather's pretty close. Do you have any any sense of what might happen or is this, you know, very truly game to game for the back part of that bullpen right now? Well, Julian Merriweather is here on Taxi Squad. Oh. So... I think that's a pretty good indicator. With Zach Pop, I'd have to check the days, but he may still be he may still be down in his option period, and he may still need a few more days there before he could become uh, before they could uh, be eligible to he could be eligible for recall. So I'd have to double check that, but I do believe his 15 days aren't up yet. So yeah, Merriweather would seem to be the guy, but you know if Casey Lawrence gets used up then you know they and they need some length yeah then they could very well go in a different direction but as things stand now julian merriweather could very well be the the 27th guy uh or maybe he's activated earlier depending on how things play out yeah i could definitely see that and in terms of pop yeah it was actually so i did some cba digging i was trying to find out if the roster expansion kind of superseded the 15 day um it doesn't appear to, but you can come up as the 27th guy. You just have to go right back down. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a, an opportunity there. Uh, we also have Nate Pearson making a rehab ass- assignment on Sunday in Dunedin. Uh, a lot going on there. Um, I wanted to ask you, Shai, I'm going to pivot in a different direction here a little bit and come off of this game because I really, really enjoyed your piece at sportsnet.ca yesterday. Um, it was called Strong Gut Feeling. It's about how the Jays found and how they've developed Sem Robersa, uh, the double A, now double A prospect uh, out of the Netherlands. Um, and how, how fun was it? To, I mean, I know baseball, a lot of guys have unlikely stories, but this one seems really unlikely geographically, really unlikely in terms of how a bonus pool normally gets spent, uh, unlikely from Andrew Tinnish's perspective. This seemed like a fun one to for you to get to dive in on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's uh, one that's been in the works for a bit of time, but it has all the elements that I really love because it's got a cool baseball transaction type of backstory to it and the way that it happened as the Blue Jays end up with this unexpected international bonus pool money when they made the deals for Dwight Smith Jr. and Kendrys Morales. So they get this sudden windfall, and then it's how do you spend it? And then you've got this incredible development story of Robert, uh, who is in a soccer-mad country and ends up having zero interest in soccer, and his dad, who had a baseball-playing past, not trying to... Um, Wanting, wanting, Robert, wanting his son to come to this sport on his own. You know, he discovers baseball because it's uh, by a diamond where he ends up doing his swim classes as a kid. He says, hey, I want to play that. Uh, and then the story of how uh, the dad ends up just coaching him through 
uh, and just doing self-teaching himself a lot of the current methodologies around pitching and trying to identify what uh, what an ideal pitching uh, delivery looks like and stressing that to to his son even as coaches uh, with you know in some cases lesser levels of expertise in the Netherlands are trying to get him to do different things so uh, I, it ha- I love all those elements it, uh, he's a really interesting prospect because he's got this mature approach it, it's not necessarily the type of eye-popping velocity but he's one of those guys who really understands how to use his stuff how to pitch he can cut up a, a strike zone especially when he's really on his game and that makes him uh, a, a unique prospect in a velocity driven game these days yeah he's a he's an interesting guy to kind of look at the numbers on and i i got to see uh, a couple innings on milb tv back when he was uh, uh with the canadians um you know gotta gotta support the canadians as they they head for the playoffs here and we might get playoff nat atmosphere down there but he's also not even 21 yet and they elevated him to double a and you know this is what they do sometimes ricky tiedemann did the same tiedemann's now shut down for the year um apparently so that's you know that that's kind of means that the the focus is on robert's from here um bigger picture what does a timeline for a guy like this look like because it does sound like his approach and the way he thinks the game are pretty advanced and you know he's already at double a at age 20 yeah and he's just he's just touching it you know i would fully expect him to return to double a at the beginning of next season and then it's sort of up to him how quickly he progresses from there and you have to keep in mind that he's advanced because he's pitching in the Dutch pro league at, uh, at 17, yeah. uh, 16, 17 against grown men and, and do it and faring really well against them. But he's also still relatively young in his development too. He had like so many other young prospects, a lost year in 2020 during the pandemic. So there's got to be, there's a little bit of push and pull there, but, I think the Blue Jays want to see a little bit more development from the fastball from him. They'd obviously like to continue seeing working through his repertoire and the slider, the curveball, the changeup, and really continuing to build up those pitches. But if those pieces come together and he can, you know, he's got the maturity to really leverage that. I mean, maybe, maybe his, uh, a late or early 24, maybe even a late 23 in, in, uh, under certain circumstances. But we have to also keep in mind, he is very young and uh, there have to be, there, there are going to be some, some bumper rails around him as well. Yeah. I don't want to rush him or, or Ricky Tiedemann or anything like that. I just shy, you know, it, it would be great if next year there are different names in uh, that Buffalo rotation. When you're looking at days like Saturday or days like Monday, where you might need an extra arm uh, in the starting rotation. So it's good that some, some guys like that are coming. Um, try one more before I let you go here. I, I know you've got pregame stuff in, in Pittsburgh. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Out of the lineup to, tonight with a sore wrist is that anything to to monitor be concerned about or or is that uh you know just just playing it cautious when you have 400 outfielders on the roster it sounds like this it's just playing it cautious uh you know obviously john schneider is going to say everybody's available because he doesn't want to tip his hand but he was very emphatic about guriel being available to pinch hit if the situation called for it 
today. So it sounds, it really sounds like this is just them trying to give them a, a bit of an extended break, knowing there's a doubleheader coming, knowing there's a couple of big series against the Orioles uh, next week and the Rays the week after that on the schedule and just trying to use the time to, to greater effect. But, you know, with everything right now, whether it's George Springer and his elbow, uh, Teoscar Hernandez and his foot, uh, Guriel and his wrist, uh, uh, Guerrero and just the physical toll that he and Bobachet and Matt Chapman have been carrying, uh, everybody's a little bit beat up at this point, uh, and these days off really matter. Um, Whit Merrifield's stunt in the lineup, Tonight, again, he's only started twice since the 26th when he was a center fielder slash pitcher. Um, do you, what do you make of the way they've rotated that, that second base group of, of Biggio, Espinal, Merrifield? And, you know, Merrifield's still seen the, the odd appearance in the outfield, but with Bradley Zimmer back and Jackie Bradley Jr. and George Springer now able to play center field again, um, it, it kind of seems like... like Whit Merrifield's role has, has shrunk really quickly from what we expected at the deadline. It was really interesting to hear John Schneider talk about that earlier today when he went out of his way to say how difficult it is, a transition it is for a guy who's used to playing every single day and being the dude to suddenly having to wait his turn. Uh, and the, you know, the Blue Jays are in that position that they wanted to be in for a long time where they have more players deserving of at-bats than at-bats to give. And right now, they're riding matchups. They're riding whoever's hot. And Whit Merrifield, I believe it's 203 that he's been batting that since coming over. And it's been inconsistent playing time, but he hasn't looked good at the plate. And right now, the other guys are a bit more productive for him and are a bit better matchups. So it's a, it's sort of you're in a catch-22 where, it's like, how do you get the guy going by not playing him? Uh, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to – every game is so important right now. You, you don't have necessarily the time or the runway to, to let guys figure things out. So uh, they're trying to be as, as, cog, uh, as cognizant of the challenges that puts on Merrifield as possible – and then balancing that within the the wider framework, which is they have to keep winning if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, tough tough spot for Merrifield to adjust to for sure. Um, at least for now, though, I'd imagine, unless Bradley Zimmer starts playing over you and starting over you, then you can be reasonably confident you'll get another chance. Uh, Shai Davidi, uh, thanks so much for taking the time out, man. Enjoy the weekend in Pittsburgh. Going to be a couple of really fun games, and you know I can see the, the feed right now. Uh, beautiful Friday night at PNC for you. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good, Blake. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Shai. Uh, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet and sportsnet.ca, uh, you can go check out that piece, Strong Gut Feeling, that Shy wrote about um, how Andrew Tinnish and the Jays found Sam Robersa and how, uh, you know, he developed as a basically a teen playing pro ball in the Netherlands uh, to get to this point where he's now at double A at 20 years old. Pretty cool story. Pretty cool prospect to, uh, to track from here. Even if uh, the radar readings and things like that don't, pop quite as much as the guy he got called up to double a alongside Ricky Tiedemann. Um, interesting that shy mentioned there, by the way, that Julia Merriweather is with the Jays in Pittsburgh, the Casey Lawrence recall when rosters expanded always struck me as something that was going to be 
shorter term. Um, you have a, an off day or sorry, not an off day. You have an off day yesterday and you have a double header on Monday. Initially, I thought maybe Lawrence was just bullpen insurance over the weekend so that your bullpen doesn't enter a double header day overly taxed. It now sounds like he's going to be part of some sort of bullpen day on Saturday, depending on how tonight goes. You know, I think we can, let's say Manoa goes seven tonight. And again, this is the second worst offense in baseball overall and against righties and over the last 30, any day, any way you chop it up, the pirates are very bad. Um, Let's say Manoa goes seven. So a very well-rested bullpen um, after an off day yesterday and having not been used a ton, a ton, um, David Phelps and Trevor Richards were the only guys in the bullpen who had pitched consecutive days heading into yesterday. So uh, I'd imagine everyone's ready and Jordan Romano and Jimmy Garcia in particular have the big old green light. Um, Anthony Bass probably uh, as well. So Manoa goes seven. Then you can look at a Saturday where theoretically all nine guys in the bullpen are available to you. Two of those in Casey Lawrence and Yusei Kikuchi who you'd hope could give you multiple innings. Trevor Richards, who you've used for longer stints before, but who's started to nudge his way into uh, a higher leverage role for John Schneider. I don't know how long that's going to last or how reliable that is, but this is a guy who has had a fair number of four and five out appearances and even a six out appearance earlier in the year he was a starter not all that long ago in his career so you can cobble that together and then if you have to use Casey Lawrence tonight or you have to use Casey Lawrence for multiple innings tomorrow then maybe he's optioned down Julian Merriweather who's already there on the taxi squad joins the bullpen Merriweather will require a 40-man spot but that's not really a big deal. The Jays have some guys on the 40 man who would almost certainly go unclaimed were they to be waived. Um, You know, they've got infinite middle infielders on there and and a couple pitchers down at triple a who they don't seem keen on giving another shot in the majors anytime soon. So uh, that's not a, a huge deal. And then you look ahead to Monday, you do get a 27th man. That could be if Merriweather hasn't come yet, If you want to go to a Zach Pop, a Matt Gage, a Trent Thornton, if you need length, uh, a lot of options there. And then you'd hope with Gosman and Barrios penciled in for Monday that you don't even need to go too, too deep into your bullpen. Um, But of course, you got seven games over six days here. And four of those are against the team that's chasing you. You're going to need to maximize every game. You kind of have to be not quite in triage mode because you don't have a lot of injuries or anything like that, but you really do this time of year. And especially in that Baltimore series, you're going to have to treat every game as its own thing and not necessarily manage with a week in mind. You, you get through the game and then deal with what the consequences are. You don't to you to expand on a micro term. You don't save your closer for a situ, for a safe situation that that might not come. You don't play for, tomorrow's game if you have a chance to win today's now you'd hope the jays don't have to worry about that at all against pittsburgh because this is a very 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 bad team but we've seen the jays struggle against teams that aren't very good in the last uh, week or so we've seen them struggle against 
pitchers who don't have a lot of tape on them or pitchers who don't have um, a clear plan of attack, like the the kind of junk baller keep you guessing types ha- have given them a hard time. Johan Oviedo, who will make his Pirates debut tonight, is not that. We'll go into what he looks like and what he's throwing at you uh, a little bit, in a little bit rather, uh, as we get closer to 635 first pitch and, and handing it over to Ben Wagner down in Pittsburgh. But he's not quite the same kind of guy who you have to, you know, Google and look up or whatever or, or check his Fangraphs page that's given the Jays trouble. He's a, a very different guy than, say, Javier Assad, who they saw in Monday's game against the Cubs and who gave them a little bit of trouble by just spraying the zone with a bunch of different pitches that he wasn't really using with any particular uh, rhyme or reason. So we'll see how that goes. We'll tee that up. We'll tee up Alec Manoa going up against seven lefties uh, in a little bit here. And hey, the feed in the studio, I, I just got to see Shy. He's down on the field with uh, with a rash now as they get ready to bring you the game. By the way, uh, Buck Martinez back on play-by-play for this one. It'll be Buck and Pat for this Pittsburgh series as Dan Schulman gets some, uh, I'd imagine, load management. Maybe he's moving yet another son to college. I, I don't know what Dan's got going on. Maybe he just really wants to watch the FIBA America Cup as Canada plays in uh, that, that basketball tournament. Um, but it'll be cool to have the Buck and, Ta- Buck and Pat combo back uh, for a series here down in Pittsburgh. Uh, Rash and Shy down there for you as well. And Ben Wagner coming up at 635. We're going to take a break. When we come back on Jay's Talk Plus, tee up tonight's game. Take a look at Johan Oviedo, read you the lineups. Take a look at how Alec Manoa profiles against a lefty-heavy team. That's next on Jay's Talk Plus on Sports at 590, The Fan. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus or welcome to the Jay's pregame, depending on how long you've been listening and uh, where you're listening. I'm Blake Murphy. Jay's get going here against Pittsburgh. 635. We'll kick it over to Ben Wagner for the call on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I love Pittsburgh. So one of my good friends from university uh, grew up. He's Canadian, but he grew up in Sewickley, Pennsylvania, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh. So I knew lots about Pittsburgh in general. Um, That was Wiz Khalifa that I just played. I actually, you know how everyone has like the band that they knew before they became big or whatever. And I'm a a big like LimeWire era pop punk guy. So I have a million of those. But this friend of mine from Swickley told me about this rapper one time and I checked it out and it was just like, like obviously rappers take beats and, and rap over them. That's kind of the whole SoundCloud era. But this, I'm dating myself here. This was early enough that he had kind of just turned the vocals down on the track. And you could hear the original song in the background a little bit. Uh, and he was rapping over that. Anyway, that guy went on to be Wiz Khalifa. Little Pittsburgh memory. And then I've, I've, I've gone to PNC a couple times. Been down there for March Madness and stuff. It's a, it's a cool city and an underrated sports city in my opinion. Uh, if you are... Down there this weekend. Hope you have a great time. It's not a not a bad drive at all. And based on what Shai Davidi was telling us earlier, sounds like lots of Jays fans are there already. The Pirates are not exactly blowing the, the gates open. 
in terms of attendance. So this is great for them. They, uh, what did they do last time they were at home uh, attendance wise? So last, yeah, 11,000, 13,000, 12,000, their last home series. Their last weekend home series did 31, 15, and yeah, and 17. Not great. Probably be a lot of Jays fans there tonight, which is great. The Jays could use it. They could use the boost. Alec Manoa doesn't need the extra energy, uh, but it's going to be a bullpen day tomorrow. And the Jays got to get the bats going a little bit. Obviously, last weekend was very tough at the plate. They only scored two runs over three games against the Angels. They scored 15 against the Cubs, 5-5-5. and Even that feels a little underwhelming, though, because... That's not a very good team, and they didn't trot out very good pitchers, and they don't have a very good bullpen. Only getting 15 runs in that series was a, a little underwhelming. Uh, felt like a situation where you could have swept. At least against the Angels, you had the explanation of, well, you, you faced Shohei Otani for one of those games, and Reed Detmers is pretty good too. We'll see how the Pirates pitchers perform this weekend because uh, – they're prospecty. JT Brubaker is a little more known, but Johan Oviedo and Ronzi Contreras are, are still on the prospect side. We'll get into that in just a sec. To set up the weekend for you, Jays at Pirates, Orioles against Oakland. That's worth keeping an eye on because the Jays' lead for that final wildcard spot is down to one and a half. And they've, obvi- they've of, of course, got four against Baltimore, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Doubleheader Monday. Um, as a programming note, I'll be with you all day on Labor Day for that doubleheader. We'll have Jays talk pregame 12 to 1. I'll tag in for Ben Wagner in between the games. There's a half an hour between games. It's a traditional doubleheader. And then uh, we'll do Jays talk for you post game after the second game. Big stakes. Big enough that the Jays tweak the rotation a little bit for this weekend to maximize that day. So you'll have Alec Manoa tonight. You'll have Ross Stripling on Sunday, Barrios and Gosman on the doubleheader day. Believe with an aim of not having to overtax the bullpen on that day, even though rosters are expanded. So you have an extra bullpen arm and you can add, I called it a 27th man earlier, a 29th man on Monday for the doubleheader. So you could have, you know, as many as 10 relievers in there. You don't want to overtax them. And then that would set up Mitch White Tuesday and Alec Manoa Wednesday. So you also have the benefit of getting Manoa in a very important uh, game against the team chasing you. That leaves a hole tomorrow. John Schneider said pregame that it'll depend on how tonight goes. If Alec Manoa were to give you a solid start with some length, you've got a bullpen day tomorrow with, with pretty, a pretty fresh bullpen. You have Casey Lawrence up from AAA, who's been starting. He's been very effective down there. Some of the peripheral stats don't love what he's done down there. But when you don't walk anybody, that's a a good start, at least, uh, for a guy you want some bulk from on a bullpen day against the second-worst offensive baseball. You've also got Yusei Kikuchi. Whether he starts or is just used out of the bullpen to, to see how long he can go, I'd imagine you'll see him at some point tomorrow. If you're not going to use him on a bullpen day against one of the worst teams in baseball, when are you going to use him? What is he doing on the roster? Uh, you also have, as Shai told us, Julian Merriweather is with the Jays, not activated yet, but he's there as part of the taxi squad. Um, he will require a 40-man spot when he's activated, but he does not seem very far away whatsoever. 
Bradley Zimmer's also back. He's not starting tonight. I don't know how much you'll see him. Uh, I don't know what the other options were, though. Uh, you could have gone, you know, you have Leo Jimenez, who's down in high A, even though he's on the 40-man. Uh, Otto Lopez, who they like and has been playing pretty well at AAA, uh, really doing a good job drawing walks. And, of course, he has some positional versatility and is a well-liked guy. Uh, he could have been a name. Vinny Capra is on the 40-man, the although I think he's kind of a, a lesser Otto Lopez at this point. Uh, the big question was... Gabriel Moreno, who they obviously want playing every day. The AAA season goes until September 28th and maybe longer if Buffalo can make this late playoff push. Uh, So I don't think we'll see him for a bit. Zach Collins would have been an option uh, to allow you to kind of play Kirk and Jansen a little bit more freely in the same lineup. And then Nathan Lucas could have been someone, but he would have required a 40-man spot as well, uh, although Bradley Zimmer did too. So I don't know that you're going to see a lot there from Bradley Zimmer, even with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. out tonight. He's out, by the way, with a sore wrist. John Schneider said he's available as a pinch hitter if needed. We'll see how that goes. By the way, um, George from Toronto in the text line said, everyone dismissing Baltimore reminds him of the people who dismissed Seattle last year. It ended up pretty close. I don't know that that many people are dismissing Baltimore. The, the, the books and like the the... Betting lines that I read earlier, they are dismissing Baltimore a little bit. But show me the Jays fan who isn't at least a little bit worried about only having a one and a half game lead with uh, 10 left against Baltimore. So, yeah, I don't blame you for being a little nervous there, especially with a four game uh, series starting Monday. Jays got to go through Pittsburgh first. Here is how they're going to line up. Alec Manoa on the hill, of course. I lost the lineup. I'm sorry. George Springer in center field leading off. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at DH. Teoscar Hernandez in left field with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. out. Teoscar Hernandez has moved over to left a couple times this year. Has not started a game in left field this year. Um, Prior to this season, he'd been a left fielder almost as much as he'd been a right fielder. He started... 21 games there last year versus 71 and right um, in 2020. That was, uh, you know, in 2020, he was pretty much just the right fielder slash center fielder. But you go back to his Houston days, you go back to his early days with Toronto. This is a guy who's played a lot of left field. They obviously like the look better with Teoscar there and Jackie Bradley Jr. And right, because as we continue down the lineup, we'll get to Jackie Bradley Jr. So go Springer, Vlad, Teoscar, Alejandro Kirk, a catcher. Bo Bichette hitting fifth, Matt Chapman, Kevin Biggio hitting seventh and playing first, Santiago Espinal hitting eighth and playing second, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. plays in right and rounds it out. So you've got two lefties in there against Johan Oviedo, who has massive reverse splits in the majors and the minors this year. Last year, he had normal splits. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to read into that. Um, But you have Biggio in there. Because Vlad's DHing, you have Jackie Bradley Jr. in there as you rotate around the extra outfielders with Lourdes Griel out, and uh, Espinal gets a nod in the second base rotation. Whit Merrifield really hasn't played a lot lately. Wonder how he feels about that. You don't like it? Hit better is uh, is I guess the way to frame that. But yeah, I don't I don't know that you'll hear Bradley Zimmer complaining about not playing. I I don't know if we'll ever hear from Rymal Tapia again who. You know, this is the problem with expanded rosters. It's great when you're 
a young team and you're trying to get a look at other guy at different guys and, and get guys experience when you're a, a playoff bound team or a playoff hopeful team like the Blue Jays, you got to play your top nine, 10, 11 guys as much as possible. So if Rymel Tapia doesn't play for a couple days, if Whit Merrifield doesn't play for a couple days, if Bradley Zimmer is a pinch runner and, and fielding replacement only, you kind of got to deal with that cost of being on a good team. Alec Manoa takes the hill for the Jays with that lineup behind him. Sporting a 260 ERA. The underlying metrics don't love him quite as much. They have him around three and a half in terms of projected ERA from here. Um, It's a bit of the opposite of Gosman, where Gosman has missed so many bats, but any time it gets hit, it seems to get hit hard or just find a hole. Whereas Manoa is the opposite. He's in the 94th percentile in the league in limiting hard contact. You look at his StatCast page, the real story on Manoa is that there's nothing he's bad at. He's average or better at everything. And then again, elite at limiting hard contact right now. Um, He'd been tailing off a little bit as the season's gone by some of the advanced metrics, by his ERA, by swing and miss, by eye test. Saturday against the Angels was the best his fastball had looked in a while. The velocity was actually down from his average on the year, but he got nine swing and misses with the fastball, uh, which is really good. And he was obviously fired up for that one. He looked great. That fastball, by the way, has a 28% swing and miss rate on the season. It's very good for a fastball that's, quote-unquote, only 94-95, and that he throws almost 40% of the time. He'll play the sinker off of it. He throws that about 24% of the time. It gets hit a little bit more for average, but it's a ground ball machine. If he needs a ground ball out, if he needs to try to get a double play, it's the sinker he's going to. And then, of course, the slider with about 12 miles an hour of separation for the fastball, he'll throw that almost 30% of the time. It has excellent numbers, whether you look at average against some of the stack cast data, swing and miss on over 30% of swings. Against righties, he'll actually lead with the slider. He goes slider, fastball, sinker in terms of volume. Against lefties, he'll go fastball as his number one pitch, and then it's the sinker, the slider, and a changeup all used about the same amount. That changeup, by the way, thrown almost exclusively to lefties, a 140 batting average against. That's really good. Uh, Good enough that I kind of want to see him try to sneak it in there against righties a little more often. Uh, Just to see. Manoa has never faced any player on the Pirates. The Pirates are betting on Manoa's platoon splits. Manoa's obviously been very good against hitters to either side of the plate in his major league career, uh, but lefties have been better against him. They're hitting 250 off of this year versus 170 for righties. And for his career, that split is 242 and 162. Lefties also slug pretty significantly better against Manoa than righties. Now, that's not to say that lefties hit him well. They just have a better time than righties. So to bet on that, the Pirates putting seven lefties in the lineup. This team is loaded with lefties and switch hitters, by the way. They have 10. 10 of their 14 players are lefties or switch hitters. Here's how they're going to line up. Stackcast legend O'Neill Cruz at shortstop. Rodolfo Castro, that is a name you might recognize as the guy who got suspended for having his phone in his pocket as he was running the bases. It's followed by 
former future Blue Jay, Brian Reynolds, a guy a lot of people wanted at the trade deadline, uh, along with David Bednar. Reynolds is followed by Jack Sawinski, Cabrian Hayes, Calvin Mitchell, Michael Chavis, Tukapita Marcano, and old friend Tyler Heineman catching and hitting ninth. This is a Pirates team that ranks second to last in overall offense. They rank second to last in overall offense against right-handed pitching. They rank second to last in overall offense over the last 30 days. There is no way to line up this Pirates offense in a way that you're impressed by it. You just don't have a lot of guys. You'd say that's okay because they're rebuilding. This is year seven of the rebuild. Year seven of the rebuild, and they're the, they're the third worst team in baseball. They're only the number seven farm system, and most of their top prospects are in double A or lower. They also haven't graduated a ton of top prospects to this major league team last year and this year. So they're in a bit of a, a tough spot. Brian Reynolds is uh, good, absolutely good enough that they maybe should have looked at, at trading him at the deadline. Um, you can always revisit that next year. He's got a year left on his deal and isn't arbitration eligible until 2024. Um, and he's only 27, but he's the only guy in today's lineup other than Rodolfo Castro, who's only played 40 games, who has been better than league average at the plate. Again, one guy in the lineup who's played more than 40 games this year and is league average at the plate if you want to have no cutoff whatsoever, two guys in the lineup who have been league average or better at the plate. The Jays have seven. It's not to say it'll be easy. Never is. It's baseball. But this is a pretty shaky Pirates team. O'Neill Cruz is a ton of fun. You've surely seen the radar readings on his throws from shortstop. He set a new stack cast record for exit velocity on one of his balls in play. He's a six foot seven shortstop uh, with just monster bat speed, monster exit velocity, monster arm for an infielder. Issue is, at least at this point, he's not that great at the plate. He's sitting 202. He's got 257 on base percentage, strikes out almost 38% of the time. He wasn't even having that great a year at AAA. He was just an average hitter at AAA earlier in the season. And, of course, you can't use that speed on the base pass if you don't get on base. I still think he's a guy. There are immense tools here. And he won't be 24 until the offseason. So there's there's time here. But um, this is a different hype than it is around, say, a Julio Rodriguez because Julio Rodriguez is producing. O'Neill Cruz not there quite yet. Uh, it, we'll get an interesting look at another Pirates prospect on the starting side. Johan Oviedo is making his Pirates debut in this one. He was the primary piece that came back for Jose Quintana from the St. Louis Cardinals at the deadline. He's a 24-year-old righty. The Cardinals were using him out of the bullpen for the most part this year, where he was fairly effective. He had one start and then was a reliever from there. It's because the Cardinals are a team that needs to win now. That was the best use of him. Um, he also spent time in the minors 
as a starter. It wasn't very good for him in St. Louis. Uh, since he's come back to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh sent him to AAA to stretch him back out. He's been better there. I don't know how he'll how long a leash he'll have today. Uh, he's thrown three and two-thirds innings in his last start, and that was the most he'd thrown since early June. So I don't know if this is a guy that Pittsburgh will, will let go five or six. Might be a, a four-and-door kind of situation. It'd be interesting to see if some of the gains he's made in AAA, though, since the trade can carry over because Oviedo has really good stuff. Fangraph said prior to the season that he has substantial relief upside because of that stuff. So if he doesn't work as a starter, he's going to be a pretty effective bullpen arm probably. Obviously, if you're Pittsburgh, if you're rebuilding, you want to get a look at this guy as a starter and rule him out as a starter before you make that change. He has big swing and miss rates, um, even at the majors, but especially through the minors. But he does have some walk and home run issues. He's going to throw a 96-mile-an-hour fastball about 40% of the time. Players have hit it pretty well in the majors this year. He's used it more when he's starting than out of the pen, so maybe that 43% comes down a little bit. He'll also throw an 85-mile-an-hour slider about the same amount as his fastball. Now, he'll use that a little bit less as a starter, at least he has in the past. Um, That's his number one pitch, though, against righties, and it's a big swing and miss pitch. He also throws a 77-mile-an-hour curveball that has a good swing and miss rate, and then he'll dabble with the changeup. He had a cup of coffee in the majors last year. Rymel Tapia went 0 for 3 against him. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is also 1 for 2 against him. And I mentioned before, he's a huge reverse splits guy this year. So righties have hit him better than lefties, even though he's right-handed. That wasn't the case earlier in his career. So I don't know if that's small sample noise or, or you know, something that, that's worth keeping an eye on. To, well, it's obviously worth keeping an eye on tonight. Um but I don't know that it's necessarily something to be hyper-focused on. The Jays obviously aren't. They have two lefties in the lineup in Biggio and Bradley. Uh, They could go no lefties if they really wanted to. They're not doing that. Later in this series, you're going to see Ross Stripling against JT Brubaker. That's Sunday's matchup. JT Brubaker has been, I feel bad for the guy. He's been one of the unluckiest players of baseball this year. Um, And I mean that by he's had... Rough luck on batting average and balls in play. He has a big gap between his ERA and his fielding independent pitching or his expected ERA. So what we'd expect him to put up given the strikeouts and the walks and the the quality of contact. He's also 3-11, even though he has a very reasonable ERA. He plays on a bad team here. Um, that's a tough spot for JT Brubaker to be in. But he'll face Ross Stripling. Tomorrow, you're going to see Ronsi Contreras who's also an interesting starting pitching prospect. We don't know who you're going to see for the Blue Jays. If things go well tonight, it will be some combination, I would imagine, of Casey Lawrence, Yusei Kikuchi, and the rest of the bullpen. If things go poorly tonight, all bets are off. It's a bullpen day without a starter. There's always the chance that they make other moves uh, as well. But for now... Casey Lawrence and Yusei Kikuchi are probably the bulkier guys of a bullpen day. The Pittsburgh Pirates are bad. The Toronto Blue Jays have four games coming up against Baltimore. They're only a game and a half up right now, and Baltimore is playing Oakland, one of the only teams in baseball, and there are only two of them, with a worse record than the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
coming off a week where you got swept by the Angels and probably should have been able to take three against the Cubs, you don't want to have another underwhelming series against Pittsburgh. This is one of your last series, by the way, against a sub-500 team for the year. Steven Alora says he was down in Pittsburgh last week when they played Atlanta. The Pirates were dreadful. Uh, Jays absolutely need to sweep. We'll see how that goes. Um, the Jays probably want to sweep. Absolutely. They haven't seen Johan Oviedo before. Most of them haven't seen Ronzi Contreras before, or JT Brubaker before. The mystery pitchers have given the Jays some trouble. But Oviedo at least has an approach that the Jays have shown they can hit against. 96-mile-an-hour fastball and heavy usage of a slider. Not five pitches, not pitches he's going to throw all over the place. It's a little more straightforward to prep for Oviedo. Alec Manoa is Alec Manoa. There's nobody you'd rather have on the mound uh, in most scenarios. And he might be a little fired up in what's effectively his home park from his college years. He was a WVU guy. He was at the WVU pit game last night. Uh, If you know the chant that WVU fans give to pit, that's probably how Manoa is approaching this start against the Pirates. Um, Thank you to Ariel Epstein, who came on with us earlier, to Shai Davidi, who's down in Pittsburgh with a rash and Buck and Pat for the weekend. Uh, Thank you to Tom and JR behind the glass. I'm back Monday for you. Uh, pre-game, between games, and post-game for that doubleheader should be a lot of fun. But we're going to kick it over to Ben Wagner here uh, for Jays Pirates on the Sportsnet Radio Network.